Praise the Lord. Turn, if you would, to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4. Habakkuk, Haggai, Zechariah. You can find Zephaniah or Daniel. You're pretty close. Just keep going to the left. All right, I'm sorry. Zechariah, if all else fails, go to your table of contents. It's not unspiritual. It'll tell you the exact page number it starts. I've done it many times. Zechariah chapter 4. Or if you uh, have a phone, go to your search engine. It, it is kind of unspiritual, but you can do it. Right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It says, Zechariah chapter 4, Then the angel who talked with me, he had a previous conversation with this angel, but said, the one who talked to me earlier, basically, returned, and he woke me up. Praise the Lord. Let God start speaking to you. This is a prophetic book. It's uh, uh, one of the biggest messianic prophecy books in the Bible. Aside from maybe Isaiah, this talks about the coming of Jesus Christ almost as much as any prophet in the Bible. And so he's talking about all the way into the last days where we're at right now. And he's having visions of the future. And he's in a period of time where they're trying to rebuild a temple that had been completely destroyed. It was laying in ruins and it was in piles of rubble and, and um, it looked like an impossible job in front of him. And the angel of the Lord came to him while there's no temple. Remember that, very important, there's no temple. It's in ruins, it's destroyed, the enemy has been victorious, the enemy has uh, let it lie in ruins and uh, they're coming, and, and Zechariah, the Spirit of the Lord is uh, coming upon Zechariah uh, to give messages to the people about rebuilding the temple. And it says, The angel of the Lord who talked with me returned and wakened me. As a man wakens someone from his sleep. So he wakened him, kind of like when you get wakened from your sleep. I thought he woke you up. He awakened me, kind of like somebody gets awakened from their sleep. So you can not be asleep and be asleep. We can be walking around thinking we're living this life that God wants us to live, and God's saying, um, you've kind of been sleeping for a while, church. That means there's more that I want to do. That means you've been awake to certain things, but there's other things you need to be awakened. How many say, I want the Spirit of the Lord to awaken my spirit, because I don't want to be asleep to anything God has for me. And he's speaking to the church a prophetic word. Angel talked with me, returned and wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on top of it with seven channels that go to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right, one on the left. I asked the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? He answered, Do you not know what they are? I love the condescending. They can be condescending, right, the angels. 
Because right now they're a little higher than us, but I'm going to be condescending to them one day. Because one day I'm going to be higher than the angels, the Bible said. Don't you know? So I want you to picture this solid gold lampstand that he sees in this vision. He's awakening to something. Maybe we've been asleep to what he's seeing. You know, let the Spirit work inside of you and say, we've been asleep to what he's seeing. Awaken me too, Lord. And he begins to see a lampstand that has two bowls, seven um, flames above it. Seven, not a candlestick, but it's a lamp. And oil runs through it, there's a wick, and there's seven flames above it. Two reservoir bowls below it that hold oil, right? And two olive trees. Now what is two olive trees doing in the presence of the Lord? <laughs> kind of odd, right? Why is there two olive trees? This, this is basically the throne room of God, and there's two olive trees that he literally sees growing in there. Why are there two olive trees on the left and the right of the lampstand? Kind of an odd vision, right? I asked the angel who talked with me, What is this, my Lord? He answered, Do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone. This is the last stone that's going to be placed on the temple. And when this stone is brought, it's going to be finished. It's the cap over what we just did. So here's a man that's in has a mountain in front of him. The building is to him a mountain, a great mountain. Not just a mountain, but a great mountain. And... God says, you're going to build that temple and there's no mountain that's going to stand in front of you because you've been called to do it. And when you bring the final piece, the capstone of what you just built, there's going to be shouts of joy, what you just did. And he said, there's no mountain that can stand in front of you. He says, but it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your power. But it's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. Let me give you another one uh, from New Living Translation on verse 7. It says, nothing, even a mighty mountain will stand in front of Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, God bless it, God bless it. Some of your versions say, grace be it to it, grace be to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, not by our power, Lord, not by our might, Lord God, but by your spirit, Lord, you will do it, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, hallelujah. So in front of him is an obstacle. Anybody ever had obstacles in front of them? And God just spiritually, when I was writing this sermon, just began to show me topography. What a spiritual word. What an awesome word for Sunday morning. Terrible word for Sunday morning. Topography. That's when you look at a map and you begin to see the mountains, you begin to see the valleys. It's not just a flat map anymore. 
Hmm. Oh, by the way, let me appreciate Ryan Shelley. Title of my message is Mountain Movers. Praise the Lord. Awesome work that you're doing, Ryan. I appreciate it. He was up there messing around, getting it all ready to go, and we appreciate the ministry that Ryan has. Awesome. But God said he's going to take a topographical map, if you will, and he's going to turn it into a flat map. Did you hear him say that? He said, the mountains that are in front of you are great, but I'm going to turn them into a plain. Just straight. Like there's going to be no valley to go through. There's going to be no mountain to climb over. I don't know what happens to the mountain. It doesn't say. It just says, for you, because you've been anointed to do this, it's going to become a plain. And God wants to begin to teach His people because there are going to be obstacles that are in our way. How many know there are going to be obstacles in our way? And God just began to, uh, inside of me, began to um, just begin to show me a vision, a picture of obstacles that are in some of your way right now. Right now, some of you have sicknesses that are looming right now. There are things in front of you, financial, that are looming, things with your kids that are looming, things that have been stressing you and anxiety and things that the world is going to bring at you. And God has a purpose and a plan and God says that mountain is going to move. And you say, well, what's going to happen to the mountain? It doesn't matter what's going to happen to the mountain. It's going to be flat for you. That means you'll go right over and it'll feel flat. That means you'll go right through the valley and it'll feel flat. God's going to give you steadiness in your walk no matter what you have to go through. They say, aren't you going through a mountain? Isn't that hard? And you're going to say, no, God made this mountain like flat ground. I'm going right through it. He removes it, so be it. If he doesn't, he's going to make it flat ground because my heart is steady upon the Lord. And so he begins to give a vision to a man who is really stressed. I mean, when they built the temple the first time, Solomon had... So many people and so much money and so much resources to build it. And God brings a man called Zerubbabel to come in and be the governor or the king of this province. And he had not very many resources. Compared to Solomon, he didn't have resources. I may have ever felt like I don't have resources. I don't have any ability to go against this enemy. I don't have an ability to fulfill what God wants to do in my life because I don't have the resources to do it. This prophetic message is enabling us to have unlimited resources. I said, well, that's awesome. Just give it to me today. God's going to tell you today it's a sure thing but it's not always the easiest thing. God's calling us a church, as a church, to connect to unlimited resources. But in order to connect to the unlimited resources, do you know Zerubbabel actually had to work? He had to apply the things that God was calling him to do and do it. God says, I'm going to for sure do it, you got to do it. 
You got to work in conjunction with my word and you got to begin to do it. And God is calling. God just is, my heart has been leaping about this. There's message going out right now to the church around the world. And, and I'm going to say this and I usually don't say this kind of thing. But God is preparing his church for a final thrust. A final thrust. And God's saying now is the time. There's no waiting. Now is the time, a final thrust. I'm going to do mighty things, and he's giving a clarion call. And you say, man, is he just doing something with people who will hear in, in, in Wellspring? No, he's sending out a call, and the remnant is hearing it. And the remnant is moving, and the remnant is doing You say, well, if God said it, I don't have to do anything. No, God says, let's move. And Zerubbabel, God said, you can't fail, Zerubbabel. In fact, he and, 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 and a, pre, a high priest named Joshua, those two, uh, Joshua was from the, 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 the line. He was from the, um, um, the, oh, from the priestly line that I preached actually about four weeks ago. Yeah, the Zadok priesthood. So he's from Zadok's line from the Levitical priesthood. So this is the ordained prophesied priesthood. This is actually, uh, um, this is a man who's in the line of Jesus Christ, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Zerubbabel, the ruler, is also in the line of Jesus Christ. In fact, this is where you begin to see Jesus' bloodline intersect and the priest and the king become one through this Messiah. That's why this book is so critical. This book is a messianic book and it's explaining what's going to happen when the Messiah fulfills these prophecies. And so he begins to see this golden lampstand. And this golden lampstand was a piece of gold. Uh, this piece of gold weighed about a hundred pounds. How much do you think a piece of gold that weighs a hundred pounds is worth? I didn't look it up, but somebody said a million and a half. Two million right in there. This is a battered piece of gold. Let me know this is a beaten piece of gold. It's been heated and refined. It's been beaten. It's been battered. And it's been turned into a single piece of furniture. What's the value? What's that? I'm not sure. Did it say four million? Four million. So... Anywhere between one to four million, take your pick. This is an expensive piece of furniture. And it's symbolic of the church, which is Christ. Jesus was that piece of gold that was beaten and battered and formed and is the church. And we are the church. And this lamp, even back in the time when Moses began to... Uh, see a vision on the mountain. He said, make it just like I told you to make it on the mountain. And Moses was even fashioning it, some say, uh, to be a symbol of that burning bush that he's seen initially and got that prophetic word from God. And this lamp was always meant to symbolize the Jewish nation was there to be a symbol to the world. It was the light of God to the world. And that golden lampstand had seven different branches that came out of it. 
There was one central branch, though. There was a central branch, and then there were three that went out on either side of the central branch. I mean, know that God says in Romans 11 that we were grafted into this tree. We were a branch that was placed within this lampstand. And this lampstand, on each of the branches, I mean, know that it was a blossoming almond. And it was the three stages of the almond. It was a blossom, it was a flower, and then it was a fruit. Each one was a blossom, a flower, and a fruit. And you say, what is the almond? Let me give you a definition of the almond here. The Hebrew name for almond is the awakened one. Because the almond tree is the first tree that awakens out of sleep in the winter and begins to blossom. Jeremiah one eleven says, Moreover, the word of God came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I said, A branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. You see this awakening that God is about to do. He sees this lampstand that's golden. He sees an anointing oil that's flowing through seven channels, coming from the center channel. And God is beginning to flow, and God says, God's connecting this lampstand with the mountain moving. We've got to catch this. The mountain not being in the way has everything to do with the golden lampstand. In fact, he sees the golden lampstands and says, what do you see? And he says, I see a golden lampstand, seven lamps, seven channels, two olive trees by it. And he says, what are these, God? He said, do you not know? And he said, no, I don't. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Where are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. He will bring out the capstone, the shouts of God bless it, God bless it. So he sees the lamp. He says, what does it mean? And he says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. While he's looking at the lampstand and the olive trees. And God is saying what he's going to do is whatever that lampstand is, God is going to cause every mountain to be removed. And you say, man, I want the mountains to be removed more than anything. I want to be a light to the world. I want God to flow through me. Do you know this? Uh, this is the, in Revelation it says there are the seven spirits of God. In fact, in a couple of places Paul says, I give greetings to you from the seven spirits of God and from the Father and from the Son. Why is the Holy Spirit called the seven spirits of God? Is it seven different people? Or is it seven different things that when I'm in the presence of the, of the Lord, the Holy Spirit begins to flow through me? God is calling us into the presence of God in the presence of this lampstand and he wants the Holy Spirit to begin to operate through his people. Turn to Isaiah chapter 11. These are all messianic prophecies of what God wants to do with his church. Well, this is kind of deep for a Sunday morning. 
it says a shout. This verse 1, chapter 11. A shoot will come up, I'm sorry, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From its roots a branch will bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. You notice capitalized there. What it means when it's capitalized? It means the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And when the Spirit of the Lord rests upon him, in fact, commentaries, if you begin to read about this, the Bible says this is a spirit of prophecy that will rest upon the Messiah. And it says, and I want you to begin to see this, this oil beginning to flow through Jesus, just resting on him. Just like the lampstand. The center one is full of the oil and it feeds the other six. The spirit of prophecy begins to fall upon Jesus. And then it says, out of that, a spirit of wisdom will begin to flow. Church, God wants to begin to flow with a spirit of wisdom. Listen to this. Turn, if you would, to Numbers chapter 11, verse 25. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. One of the things that God has really been um, burdening me about it, about the church is the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what God wants to do in our lives that we're not allowing Him to do because we don't get in His presence. And God is calling. He's calling out to me. And, and God's promised me that the same way that He's calling out to me, He's going to begin to call other people. And the Bible says there was Zerubbabel. It says Zerubbabel got the plumb line in his hand and began to get excited. He said, well, why would you be excited if somebody's got a plumb line or a chalk line or a, or a uh, level? Why is that exciting? Church, I'm going to tell you something. I've, I've been dreaming about what God's going to do. And I, I sit there with a chalk line in my hand and I celebrate. And I get excited and I, I can see when you're, a, when you're a pastor and you begin, God lets you go places where the church hasn't been yet. God lets me go into places where I can see where God's taking us, where I can see where God's going. And when that chalk line is in my hand, my soul just leaps. My soul gets excited. My soul understands, my soul comprehends the Spirit of God is upon me holding a plumb line. How is that possible? And it says Zerubbabel holds the plumb line and he's excited. And and it says in Zechariah there, it says, don't despise the small things. When he has a plumb line in his hand, something major is getting ready to happen. And church, I am hungry for God's presence. It's not enough for me on Sunday morning. It's not enough. It's not enough for me to sit home and soak in the presence of God. It's not enough. I want to see the people of God in God's presence seeking God. I'm tired of the games. If the Spirit of God doesn't flow through these vessels, how are you going to overcome the mountain? How are you going to overcome it? You say, but Pastor, I want to play games. I want to play games, okay? I just want to play church. I don't want to get in God's presence. 
And God's saying there's a flow of the Spirit that goes through seven channels, and when it begins to flow in your life, it's called the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Let me let the secret out. It's the, it's the presence of God in His fullness through the Holy Spirit. That lamp is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when that lamp gets unplugged and that lamp begins to flow and that oil begins to flow, the sevenfold Spirit of God, the manifestation of the Spirit, begins to flow and you can't shut that church down. There's not an obstacle the enemy throws in your way that can be an obstacle anymore. There's not a mountain that you can't walk over. There's not a thing that you can't do, but God is calling us to get in His presence. God's calling us to get the flow of the Holy Spirit in its fullness. See, we're happy when we get a word of knowledge. We're happy when we get a word of knowledge. We're happy when we get a word of wisdom. And God's saying, I want more than a word. I want to flow. See, we've gotten by with words of knowledge, words of wisdom, a little bit of discernment, a little bit of God's Spirit, and God said, no. We're coming into a time when it's going to flow. It's going to begin to flow. It's going to begin to flow. It's going to begin to flow. But Zerubbabel still had to go act on the Word of God. Numbers chapter, what did I say? 11.25. We see shadows of it. It says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud, spoke with him, he took of the capital S Spirit, right? That was on him, and he put the capital S, which is deity, Spirit, on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. They did not do so again. Isaiah says it's going to rest on him, and it's going to begin to flow through him, and it's going to begin to flow through us, through him, if we abide in him. And this channel, seven channels are going to open up. And those seven channels that are going to open up are the key to our healing. They're the key to our fruit. They're the key to our light. They're the key to everything we do as a church. And somebody said, well, why don't we get a good marketing plan? Why don't we do something a little cooler on Sunday morning so everybody will come in and want to be as cool as we are? Why don't we do all these different things and God's saying, no, I'm calling my church to have a flow of the Holy Spirit. Well, we're Pentecostal. We jump around, we dance around, we sing, we, 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 we do all kinds of crazy stuff. We're Pentecostal, and that's the problem. God needs somebody who the Spirit will flow through. He doesn't need people who are Pentecostal. He's looking for people who will draw near, who will get in His presence, who will have a sevenfold flow of the Holy Spirit. And there's only one way we can do that. Sunday mornings. Not. Church, we're not getting the flow that God wants us to have as a church. God wants us to get in His presence. What am I talking about? I'm talking about hours. Hours, hours delighting the Lord. We say, oh man, that's miserable. Oh man, really? It's not. Church, I'm telling you, we're missing out on everything. We're missing out on this 
the first thing that happens in Isaiah chapter 11, did you see the spear was on Moses? And then that spear went upon 70 elders. They began to prophesy and then gone. God's given us little taste all through the Bible. The spirit would come upon a prophet. He would prophesy. All through the New Testament, what happened when the spirit would come upon them? Prophesy. 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 You say, oh, prophecy, yeah. That's that weird stuff that they do in church, and, you know, sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. That's our problem again. That's our problem again. We've got people operating in prophecy that have never heard from the Lord. They've never been in God's presence. They've never been humbled in His presence. They've never sought God in His presence. And so we think prophecy is a fraud. But the Bible says the spirit of prophecy will rest upon him and then the gifts will begin to flow. The operation will begin to flow. And so we begin to look at this. Prophecy, let me give you a definition of prophecy. God speaks to me and I hear. How do I, how do I come up with a message on Sundays? I have no message. I've walked in front of people before and not had a message because God wouldn't talk. I had nothing to say. I don't have anything to say on a Sunday morning unless God grabs a hold of me and speaks to me prophetically. I'm sorry. If I'm teaching a Bible study, I'm perfect. I'll read it off the paper. But when I preach, I prophesy. And if God doesn't speak to me, I don't have a message. I'm in the worst, I'm the most miserable of all, if I don't have a message on Sunday morning. Because God didn't speak to me. And God wants to speak to his people. How many know that? God wants to speak. Well, he speaks really well. I come on Sunday and you tell me what he wants to say. God wants to begin to speak to his people and he's got things to say. He's got something to say about your mountain. He's got something to say about your life. He's got something to say about your neighbor. And in Isaiah chapter 11, you begin to look at these different capital S spirit that are going to be upon Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon him. Like I said, most commentators say that's prophecy. The spirit of prophecy comes upon him. That anointing is upon him. He's the anointed one, and it begins to flow. And then it says... The spirit of wisdom was upon him. Man, I can't use the spirit of wisdom. What would I do with the spirit of wisdom? I, I can't use that. I mean, no, God wants to pour out a spirit of wisdom upon you. Listen to how Paul talks about it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 30. Chapter 1, verse 30. I usually put this stuff in my notes. We'll have to turn to it, but First Corinthians chapter one, verse thirty. It says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us what? Wisdom from God. That is, he's going to clarify what wisdom is. Righteousness, which is the ability to do right. Holiness, which is the ability to be separated, and redemption, which is knowing who I am in Christ. 
So if I get in God's presence and the Spirit of God has come upon him, and Isaiah 11 is a definition of the seven spirits of God, the seven parts of the Holy Spirit that are going to begin to flow through me. Is everybody getting this this morning or is it too deep on a Sunday morning? If the Holy Spirit, and I'm in his presence and I shut my mouth for a few minutes and I let the Spirit of God begin to prophesy, let that spirit of prophecy begin to... Prophecy is weird, Chad. I don't believe in prophecy. It ceased. That's what somebody will tell you. Well, that's funny. If it ceased, then why is he still talking to me? It's got to quit being weird. We've got to root out all the weirdness, all the false prophets, which they're everywhere. And we've got to start hearing from God again. Every single person's got to hear from God. The Holy Spirit is going to be like it was with Moses and those 70, except now it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord, I'm going to begin to pour my spirit upon. That means the spirit of prophecy is going to come upon you. You say, I'm going to stand up and tell the future. No, you're going to hear from God. You're going to be his sheep that hears his voice. How can you hear his voice if he's not prophesying to your heart? Spirit of prophecy will come upon you. And Paul says here it's going to be the wisdom of God. And God's going to be giving to give you that wisdom, which is understanding how to do right. Man, I want to be I want to get in God's presence and let him tell me about righteousness. You mean I'm going to get up in the morning and want to do what's right instead of what do what's wrong? He's going to show me how he wants to separate me. A spirit of sanctification is going to come upon you. You say, oh, that means I'm going to put my hair up in a bun and wear no makeup and wear a long skirt. Oh, we got this all wrong. No, he's going to tell you why you're special, why you're unique, why it's worth it to go after God and be his special person, his unique person. Because what happens to unique people in the Bible? God pours the Spirit out upon them and they're used mightily by God and they become His friend. They become His closest companions. So the Spirit of the Lord has to get you somehow in His presence. You say, well, we do it all the time. Why am I not seeing this then? Why am I not seeing the gifts and operation in lives more if we're all doing it already? Or do we know about it and just don't do it? God wants to give us extended periods of time in His presence as a church. God wants to make this a praying church, a church that seeks God's presence, a church that loves God's presence, enjoys His presence. But wisdom is going to come up and it's going to teach you how to be righteous, holy. What was the other one? The third one. Yeah, and redemption. It'll tell you who you are in Christ. Well, who am I in Christ? I'm a king. I'm a priest. You know, I'm somebody who's very close to God. Do you want to know who God thinks you are? What God's calling you to be? God, what God wants you to do when you wake up in the morning? Then it says, not only is God going to give you a spirit of wisdom upon you, but He connects wisdom and understanding. Here's my definition from one of my commentaries. It says the difference between wisdom and understanding is. The one denotes wisdom. The other one is the result from wisdom, the ability to accomplish it. Understanding. So God tells me that this is what's right in my life or this is why he separated me. Now God needs to bring the Spirit upon me to help me do it. So somehow in his presence, in front of the presence of God, what Zechariah has seen is somebody who's in God's presence long enough 
for God to not only tell them what's right and tell them what's good wisdom for their life, but He's going to empower them to do it. What good's wisdom if you can't do it? What good's wisdom if you can't accomplish it? I know a lot of people that have all kinds of wisdom in their head. I'm talking about really good wisdom, like they like Proverbs kind of wisdom. Not just like false wisdom. But what good is it to know everything that God wants you to do and not be able to do it? Understanding is like, God, I'm with you. I totally understand this. I totally get this. I totally comprehend this. I understand why that's good for my life. Now you can do it. How many think that the world we live in needs that? I need the wisdom of God in my life. Some people say, well, I'm already smart enough. Well, you probably don't need this. Message is worthless. Go away. But if you're like me and you're a mess, and you don't, Amen. I'm really a mess. <laughs> but if you're a mess like me, I want to be in God's presence. If you ever sit down at the beginning of the day and you say, why is this happening to me? Why is this situation here? Why is this obstacle here? Why is this mountain here? Why am I going through this? Man, I want to be in the presence of God. Because He's going to give me wisdom. But what good is wisdom? What, what good is wisdom that says, hey, this is what grief is all about? Good is that wisdom if he's not going to give me the understanding of how to get through it. And so God wants to, do you see, do you see this oil coming down upon Jesus Christ, the anointed, flowing through him, a spirit of prophecy, and beginning to flow to all these different channels inside of us? Then he says he wants to give us a spirit of counsel and might. Counsel is a rudder, basically is what the word is. It's a rudder that steers a ship or a steering wheel that steers a car. He will direct our paths. Well, how's God going to steer me around if I don't get in His presence? If I don't spend time in His presence, how's the Holy Spirit going to fill me up with that oil? This is a part of the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you counsel. He's going to direct your path. What good is it if he directs my path? God's going to say, hey, you need to go through this. Or I'm going to deliver you from that. What good is it to hear a word that says he wants to deliver from that if he doesn't give me the spirit of might? This is where it gets scary. God's told me, he's directed my path that I'm going to go through this. I'm going to go through that. Or he's directed my path, he's going to heal me here. You know, there's the Logos word, which is all the promises in the Bible. Then there's the Rhema word, that's yours. All the promises are available, but the Spirit has to speak the Rhema. And in God's presence, He'll speak the Rhema, but now what? He said He's going to deliver me, now I need the Spirit of might to come upon me. How are we going to ever have a Spirit of might to overcome addictions and mountains and sickness and enemy. I, I tell you what, right now, I preached that message last week about, about violent prayer. And I can't tell you how many times this week I've been angry at the enemy. In fact, I'm going to tell you how angry at the enemy I've been. Every time I hear of an enemy attack, I keep saying, praise God. Because I know God wants to go after the enemy. 
I feel the might of God coming up in me saying, let's go after him. Let's go after him. I'm looking for enemies who are stealing from our people. Looking for the enemy. Looking for the enemy attacks. Looking. I feel like David. It's like uncircumcised Philistine. How is he standing? That's what he said. But is there not a cause to fight for? And, and church, we ought to get angry when we hear of a sickness that's coming upon a brother or a sister. Let's violently go after the enemy. If the enemy's trying to destroy somebody's family or finances or marriage, it should rile something up in us. It should rile up something in us to pray and get in the presence of God. Because you know what God wants to do? He wants to put a spirit of might upon you to come against the enemy. Read your Bible. That's all about that. It's all about the enemy attacking, the enemy destroying, the enemy tearing families apart. And it's all about God raising up people to come against the enemy. God wants us to come against the enemy. He wants us to have a spirit of power and a spirit of might. Isaiah 11 says, uh, there's a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Knowledge is a little different than wisdom and understanding. Knowledge is an awareness of God. I mean, know that God says He's always near, but we don't always know that. Always near. Holy Spirit is always near. He sees everything. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro, watching everything. But you know, we can live a large portion of our life thinking we're hidden from God. God's like, why would you do that? I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. I'm near you. It's a comfort to know that I'm near you, right? And God's saying He can put a spirit of knowledge upon you, where you have an awareness of God. You know God. You know how He thinks. You know how He acts. In fact, it says that Esther, before she could become queen, they put seven maids from the court of the king to teach her to be ready for the presence of the king. And you know that God has sent the Holy Spirit to teach us how to be in the presence of God, to teach us how to be kings and priests before our God. God wants to pour His Spirit upon us And those are connected. All these are connected. Knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That means God will pour a spirit upon you that wants to please God. Since Jesus had all these in abundance, He had all these upon Him in abundance. In fact, Jesus had a spirit upon Him that He always wanted to please God. Man, I would think it would be awesome if I had that spirit. Overwhelming desire to always please God. I mean, you think that'd be awesome because sin has just destroyed us. We're learning how to live for God. We're learning how to be prepared for His presence, like I said. But God, in His presence, you say, "Well, how can I live holy? Man, how can I do the right thing? Because I always mess up all the time. I always go back to my sin." How many have ever said that? And the Bible says that God can put us in His presence. He can pour His Spirit upon us and give us a strong desire. That fear of the Lord and knowledge is the the Spirit coming upon us, making us want to be obedient to God. Giving us desire. You say, I thought I had to work that up. Oh, God wants you to get in His presence and He'll give you a strong desire to be obedient in His presence. 11.59, I'm doing great. That's awesome. Let me read an interesting scripture that God brought to my attention here. This is toward the end here, so patient with me. Revelation 19.10 says this, As I fell at his feet to worship him, 
He said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who had the testimony of Jesus. It says, Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Somebody like me find that to be odd? What is that all about? Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Anybody see that? Revelation 19.10. Revelation 1.1 says, verse 2, I'm sorry. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ who gave him to show his servants what will soon take place. He made it known by sending an angel to his servant John who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God. You know what the word of God is, right? And the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1.9, I, John, your brother and companion, suffering kingdom and patient endurance uh, that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Revelation 12.17, then the dragon was enraged and the woman went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold on to the testimony of Jesus. Revelation 19.10, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Man, what is that all about? In God's throne room, there's not a whole lot that's in God's throne room as far as furniture. There's this lampstand to the left. There's the table of his presence on the right. And then there's the altar of incense before the throne of God. In the vision that Zechariah had, there were two bowls. You know, the two bowls kind of came together and channeled into the lamp. Right? And he said, what are the two bowls and what are the two olive trees? You know, God was trying to tell him that those two bowls had to be filled by the priest. Do you know that? The Old Testament, they had to keep them full evening and morning, evening and morning, evening and morning. They had to keep filling them with oil. But in Zechariah's vision, they had an automatic system. A system that was automatic. I mean, like automatic system. That's awesome. Why have we been filling it all these years? We have an automated system now. What's your system? Two living trees of olives, mature, full of oil, unlimited supply, constantly filling these two bowls. That's awesome. Got to mean something. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Two olive trees living, filling the bowls, unlimited supply. I'm never going to run out. Let me know the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Remember, the testimony of Jesus is that word of God speaking directly to your heart. The Word of God, testimony of Jesus, the coming together of the Spirit and the Word. The Word, you know, the Spirit, that lamp was there to shine light on the table of showbread. The Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. If you just had the Word of God, you'd have no light to read it. If you just had the Holy Spirit, you would have no Word of God. So when we walk in the presence of God, what God wants to do in this church 
is God wants there to be a worship in spirit and in truth. And the Bible says in John chapter 4 verse 24, there's going to come a day when my people will worship me in spirit and in truth. And you say, man, I want that oil to begin to flow in me. I'm going to start reading my Bible. It's not enough. It's not enough. The light of the Holy Spirit has to shine on that word. He has to take a promise and he has to make it yours. He has to speak to your heart. And he has to say, my child, that's your promise. That's what I'm trying to do in your life. He has to give you a word of wisdom. He has to let the, the, the spirit of wisdom flow through you. The spirit of prophecy flow through you. God wants to begin to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. He wants the spirit to fall upon you. He wants the, the word of God to have a light. A burning light. A shining light. You say, well, i got the Spirit. There's people all around the world. I've got the Spirit. I've got the Spirit. Well, you don't have a word. In these last days, God is going to raise up people at the Word of God. The Spirit of God shining on it. And that oil is going to be a reservoir that never goes dry. And God's going to begin to flow through His church And seven channels are going to open up. And when those seven channels begin to open up in this church, watch out. And you say, well, what are we going to do? We're going to get to work, church. When you see the plumb line in somebody's hand, when you see the level in Brother Randy's hand, you see the chalk line, see the things begin to move, we're going to build a prayer room. And guess what we're going to do in that prayer room? God said, my house has been a house of thieves. But I'm going to make it a house of prayer. Oh, man, that sounds boring. What are you guys going to do? We're going to get in there and we're going to seek the presence of God like we never have. In fact, I'm going to go out of this world blazing like a furnace. I'm going to look like a bright light in the presence of God and then it's going to flow through me. That oil is going to flow. He's going to come back and he's going to find this church doing exactly what he called us to do. Seeking the presence of the Lord. And you say, well, what will happen? Oh man, the Spirit of God will begin to blow in this church. The glory of God will begin to blow in this church. God will begin to reach people you never thought we could reach in this church. You understand, church, what God will do when we get a hold of His presence? When He finds a church that is seeking His presence, seeking the glory of God, worship team, you can come on up. Hallelujah, church. I'm going to tell you this. You can stand with me this morning. Dim the lights if you don't mind. When I first started here, I go back and look at all the messages that God's given me since I've been here. And it's really funny, I don't put it together in my own order. But as I begin to look back and say, God, where have you led us from the beginning till now? And I remember a block of time when I first got here, and it was all about not looking back. It was all about slave mentality and don't look back at where we came from and let's move forward and let's let's not stop just don't stop don't go back to where you were let's keep moving together and there was a period of time where god was saying just don't stop keep moving he's leading this church then there was a period of time where god says god was just really like like he was talking today refining like, get ready, church. Get ready. I'm going to refine you. This is why you're going through what you're going through. I prepared you for this place. This is the reason why you're going through this. This is the reason why 
you're in a situation where your, your pastor passed away. I haven't forgotten about you. I have a plan. I have a purpose. I'm bringing this group together. This is, a, in fact, you'll remember some sermons like David in the cave walking in a misfit with a group of misfits. He came out king and had mighty warriors. How does that happen? And the God begins to move forward even more, and I begin to look at the last two months. And God's just telling me one thing. Build up their appetite for my presence. Build their appetite for my presence. Build up their hunger for my presence, their desire for my presence. God's building that in our church. And He's, and he's doing it for a purpose, church. He's leading us and guiding us and He's got a plan and He's got a purpose. You don't have to look to me for a plan and a purpose. He has a plan and a purpose. If we follow Him, He's going to do mighty things in their life. How many want to be closer to God than they've ever been? How many are starting to feel the hunger for His presence begin to grow? How many want to be a house of prayer? How many want to seek the presence of God and see the flow of the Holy Spirit again? How many want to see not a counterfeit move, but a real move? Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord. Oh, Lord, I sense the hunger, Lord. Lord, I thank you first of all, Lord, for this group of people, this precious group, Lord. Each and every story, Lord God, each and every life, Lord God, is being prepared for this purpose, Lord. Oh, Lord, I just pray right now that you begin to pour your spirit upon these precious people, Lord. Lord, a love for your presence, Lord, that... uh, The world can't quench, Lord God. No obstacle can keep us from your presence, Lord God. Lord, we're en route to your heavenly kingdom, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, we desire your presence in heaven, Lord God. We want to be with you right now, Lord God. Oh, Father, I just pray that you begin to pour upon your people, Lord. Oh, a hunger for your presence, Lord. Oh, begin to move in lives, Lord God. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Lord. You know, church, a lot of you hear a message like this. Man, what's he doing? He's just ministering to the people in this church. Why are we not getting a salvation message? Why aren't we getting this message or that message? And God's just telling me, minister to the people. Judgment starts in the house of God. God is getting this house right because He wants to win the lost. You say, can't we just win the lost and bypass that? I don't think we can, church. I don't think we can. We think we're ready, but we're not ready. We think our hearts are right, but our hearts aren't right. Our hearts aren't. God wants us to be in His presence. He wants to begin, like Josh said, He wants to begin to refine. Did you hear what He said? Refine the gold. So something can flow inside of us. He didn't know my message. God wants to refine the gold so something can flow within His people. He didn't know my message. This morning we were in the prayer room and they kept saying, God wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. They didn't know my message. God's calling us in His presence. I hope you're as excited as I am about this prayer room. Man, what's it going to be? I don't even understand it. You don't have to. Let the Spirit of God begin to move you. 
bless you. Hallelujah.